Hello and welcome back to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spezia, and today is March 31st, 2019. This is the 61st episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. On today's episode, PlayStation's first state of play and the reveal of Apple Arcade in our headline roundup. Our main topic is a report about two Nintendo Switch revisions coming this year, and then we will get to your calls if you're tuning in live on Discord. Hope you've been having a great week in games. It's been PAX East for this past weekend, so not only a lot of game news kind of bubbling up from that, but people all across the industry going out there meeting. I wish I could have been out there in Boston this weekend, but just wasn't meant to be. But seems like everyone's having a great time. And that's really good to see. There was also a lot of game news happening this week, but I've been playing some games in, in that time. I've uh, been diving back into Assassin's Creed Odyssey, kind of just to familiarize myself again with that world and the controls, because I'll be diving into the DLC episodes, like the story kind of content that they've added. There's Legacy of the Hidden Blade, and then they're just starting recently, Fate of Atlantis. So, been wanting to dive into that. It was one of my favorite games of last year. So, reacclimating myself there. And then I beat the finale of The Walking Dead, the final season. And like many of you who may have also played it, I have thoughts. It's a, uh, it's a divisive ending in a way. And I'm, I'm conflicted by it, as I'm sure, again, if you played it, you know what I'm referring to? Uh, there's there's definitely some opinions going around out there. Uh, maybe we get to talk about that sometime on a more uh, spoiler sort of cast setting. But for now, I'll say like I'm just really glad that Telltale uh, got to kind of put their vision out there. Skybound allowed them to finish it. The Still Not Bitten team. I'm mostly just grateful that that story got to see itself through and the team got to work on it the way they wanted to. At least it got to be completed. And that's what I'm most grateful for of all. But again, it's been a busy week in the game industry and we have lots to catch up on. So let's run you through our headline roundup. PlayStation revealed their first state of play that it would exist you know, last week. And this past week, it came through to fruition their first episode of their direct style presentation. And boy, this state of play show really did, in fact, borrow from that Nintendo Direct format. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's, it's good to have game news be short to the point, just keep moving on. And in fact, it's better comparison when you say, oh, it could be an hour long, like inside Xbox with live hosts kind of bumbling about on a stage. I mean, there are two ways to go about it. I'm glad PlayStation kind of went more the Nintendo Direct route. Even with all those blades and showing like what's coming next, it it worked out really nicely, a good pace to it. I wasn't expecting though, like I'm sure many people, that it would be such a big PlayStation VR focus. It was a, a good selling point to try to get people to buy more VR systems. It was a good redeeming point if you have the VR system, because a lot of the biggest announcements were PlayStation VR targeted games. I mean, you start off right off the bat with Marvel's Iron Man VR. I mean, that's, that's huge coming from Camouflage who their last game, Republique, I mean, that's a big departure from what they last did. Now we'll see how it really pans out. It looks like a kind of on-rail shooter, at least for the little bit that they showed, uh, but good to see Marvel picking 
their partnerships wisely for games that make sense with their properties and letting other teams do the big legwork there. Finally, to see PlayStation VR support come to No Man's Sky is, granted, a few years behind schedule, but it's good to finally see that when Beyond hits in summer 2019, it will have PlayStation VR support. That's just excellent to see. As a PlayStation VR owner, I'm really excited for Blood and Truth, kind of seeing like the London heist sort of uh, setup, kind of get its full fleshed game. I mean, that's awesome. And May 28th, that feels like right around the corner. We talked about one time with Five Nights at Freddy's VR Help Wanted, how this popped up on the ESRB and we're like, eh, you know, that makes a lot of sense, but no thanks, hard pass, don't want. Well, I mean, it says apparently it's coming soon and it's official, it's a real thing. But again, not something I'm going to play. Good to see more of Pixel Opus's Concrete Genie coming fall 2019. It has that sort of Tim Burton sort of stop-motion animation look to it, which is interesting. It feels a lot like when in the PlayStation 3 life cycle when Sony put out Puppeteer and they kind of tried working with that. It feels like that sort of same artsy style game. I'm, I'm good to see more of that and good to have a, a PlayStation exclusive there slated for the fall. And then you end with Days Gone and Mortal Kombat trailers. I mean, probably the best trailers that they've shown so far for both of those games. Uh, coming the 26th and 23rd, respectively, for those games. So, overall, you know, 20-minute presentation, it was fine. I'm good with seeing more presentations like this, certainly. And with PlayStation not making themselves known at E3 with a big press conference, maybe they kind of line up another State of Play showcase for around that time, but we'll have to wait and see. Apple had a big presentation, and they were talking about a whole bunch of things, even that Apple TV Plus. I don't know if you guys got to see that, but boy, that was a presentation, certainly. But they also talked about Apple Arcade, and they're going to take an Xbox Game Pass-like sort of subscription setup to focus on indie games working on increasing the quality of mobile titles, which I'm down for. It's just another subscription, especially if you're an Apple owner and you have all sorts of other subscriptions there. But Apple Arcade is rolling out fall 2019, and it's important to have games mean more on mobile, not these, you know, clickbaity, microtransaction-heavy experiences. Like, no, serious games. You're even seeing Hironobu Sakaguchi uh, work on his game called Fantasian, which is interesting. They're just talking about uh, setting up photographed dioramas, just making all of these dioramas for the game's environments, taking different pictures of them, and then kind of bringing that into the game and having the CGI characters walk through. I mean, really interesting concept. Must be a whole lot of work, but if Sakaguchi's on board, you know, consider me curious. Uh, there's no news on the pricing for Apple Arcade, though, if you consider the other subscriptions that Apple has you do, maybe it'll be $10 a month, and that would kind of make sense. But again, no confirmation there. Coming fall 2019. There's more hardware on the way, though, and it comes in the form of the mini consoles. We knew about the Sega Genesis, or the Sega Mega Drive Mini, uh, just knew of the existence last year, and that knew it was coming, it got pushed back to 2019. Got more official details this past week, so on September 19th, Sega Genesis Mini will launch in the United States at $79.99. We'll see how that price point works out. It certainly didn't work out for PlayStation Mini at $99.99 when it keeps getting cut and cut and cut, but that's, that's a whole other thing. Sega Genesis Mini will include 40 games, and they'll vary from region to region, whether it's the PAL or in Japan. 
Uh, they've announced 10 games so far for those different regions. In the United States, we have Altered Beast, Castlevania Bloodlines, Comic Zone, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Echo the Dolphin, Gunstar Heroes, Shining Force, Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Harrier 2, and Toe Jam and Earl. A pretty good 10-game lineup to start. I'm sure they have more where that came from. You gotta have Sonic 2, Sonic 3, and Knuckles in there. At least you're gonna flesh out the Sonic games. But it's also interesting to note that the United States and Europe get the three-button uh, Sega Genesis Mega Drive controller, whereas Japan gets the six-button controller. Uh, that's, that's certainly interesting. But I think it's most reassuring of all because we've seen, you know, Genesis mini consoles in the past and they kind of run like garbage. But it looks like M2 is the company doing the software emulation this time around. And they've been making the Sega Ages games. So if anyone was behind the real legwork there, at least it's M2. So maybe this one has a chance. Might be a high price to pay, but we'll see when it rolls out September 19th. On the higher end of things, another hardware that got generally announced, or at least teased, is the Valve Index VR headset. This is apparently coming in May, and it's Valve's own VR headset. For a while now, for Valve's sort of VR works, they've been partnering with HTC in the Vive setup for, for Steam VR. But for Valve and their Index VR headset, they say, upgrade your experience. Now the website Upload VR had a leak about this in November, and they said it was touting a 135 degree field of view compared to the 110-ish for the original Vive and Oculus Rift. Now, of course, you have to wonder if Valve is making their own hardware, will a Half-Life game eventually come with it? Now, I'm sure this won't be the last we talk about Valve Index or different news bits about it, but keep this in mind as the, uh, the headset sort of industry is starting to become very busy with VR, whether it's Oculus, whether it's HTC, and now Valve wants a piece of the pie too. PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold games, the free games for April 2019 have been announced. For PlayStation, you get Conan Exiles and The Surge on PlayStation 4. I wonder for how much longer they're just going to run with these two PlayStation 4 games and not add any VR games in there. I know, you know they cut the PS3 and Vita games and that was announced a year in advance, so that makes sense, but is anything going to supplement that? Especially when... You don't get the highest quality games, especially this month. I mean, I'm sure some people are excited about Conan Exiles or The Surge, but that's not going to really drive the excitement for most people. Honestly, uh, for Xbox Live, the games aren't that strong either. You have The Techromancer on Xbox One, available from April 1st through 30th. Also, Outcast Second Contact on Xbox One. That's from April 16th to May 15th. Star Wars Battlefront 2, the original Xbox version from what, 2005? That's on the Xbox, uh, you know, sort of backwards compatibility. You can play that on Xbox One from April 1st through 15th. And then the Xbox 360 game, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter 2 from April 16th through 30th. So not the best month for free games on this front for PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold. But, you know, its I don't want to say it's better than nothing, but we'll see what they can do with continuing months going forward. Looking forward to Ubisoft. At E3 2019, Ubisoft has confirmed 
their press conference presence at this year's expo. They're in the same slot, as always. Monday, it'll be June 10th, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, or 1 p.m. Pacific. So, they're holding firm. That's good, that's reassuring to know. Bethesda also mentioned, uh, through Todd Howard, that there will apparently be no Starfield in Elder Scrolls VI news at their conference this year, and we told you that last week. Like, we're too far out to hear anything concrete. We don't even know, really, the next generation of consoles yet, which they're aiming for, which they're targeting. So, but we'll see if any, you know, E3 predictions kind of slide them in there from different websites here and there. Just keep that in mind, though. Uh, so where do we stand for E3 2019 as we build up the anticipation here? I'm sure Microsoft is going to have a press conference. They want to blow out. They want to have a big sort of news on what their plans for next gen are, as well as all of the games. I mean, look at last year's show for Microsoft. It was incredible, and I'm sure they want to build on that. But they have yet to determine what time they're going to have that at. Another question is, will Square Enix be back with their own press conference? And after last year's, I'm going to put that more towards no, but we'll see. They could surprise us. And then, of course, I'm sure Nintendo will have a direct focused on E3. But again, the question is just what time? Will they kind of lock in that same noon Eastern time on the Tuesday of the week? But that's kind of where we're at right now with you know, no PlayStation, no EA. But Ubisoft's confirmed. Bethesda's confirmed. I'm sure Microsoft and Nintendo will be there, but just what time? How will they kind of place themselves in there? And again, PlayStation could do their own state of play for E3 and time that up just so. So plans are still in flux for sure. But we kind of end the headline roundup this week with the big Gearbox uh, event at PAX East where they were teasing all sorts of games. But of course, like we'd expected, ending with the reveal of Borderlands 3. Finally, finally Borderlands 3. I mean, after years of packs and E3 and wondering where could it be, they've been working on it for five years. We finally see the trailer for Borderlands 3. And there were certainly some tech issues at that PAX event. Uh, struggles with playing trailers. You gotta feel bad for the AV guys there, but come on, you gotta use VLC on that computer, right? I mean, what? And also, Randy Pitchford, don't ever do magic on stage again, sorry. Not not feeling that, not feeling the count to 47. Darshell, what are you doing there? Come on. But Borderlands 3 looks like it has the same visual style. It's just really the scale that is bigger this time around. I mean, we're talking about going to different planets and kind of bringing in all the characters from the past Borderlands games. Yes, even Reese from Tales from the Borderlands, which, very excited about that. But of course, we're talking about four new protagonists and two new antagonists. They're saying that more information is going to roll out on April 3rd. So we'll see this week if they finally detail those because we didn't get the full here. Here's this character's name. This is their skill. This is what makes them new for this game. None of, none of that for this time around. But good to see a first look at Borderlands 3. As far as the other games that Gearbox was teasing out, I mean... There is the Game of the Year edition for Borderlands, as well as the Handsome Jack collection. They're getting 4K texture upgrades on April 3rd. No Borderlands 2 on Switch, shockingly. But the DLC is coming to PlayStation VR this summer. Like all of the Borderlands 2 DLC. That's, that's exciting for those players. Bulletstorm will also be coming to Switch with the Duke Nukem content. That makes sense with that tease. And then there are a whole bunch of other announcements coming from the Gearbox publishing wing. So... An overall interesting presentation with good news, but some weird hiccups there. Most importantly, Borderlands 3 does not have a release date 
announced yet. Not even it's a coming this year kind of thing. So that's a little concerning, but again, more news is still supposed to be rolling out. On top of Borderlands 3 being announced, plenty of other game and release date announcements from the past week. The real key ones here, Dreams Early Access is available on April 16th for PlayStation 4. They're saying it's going to be a limited time sort of beta and they want to make their creation tools for Dreams available to players, but this is at a $30 price point. So if you're interested in trying those game making tools out, by all means jump in. You'll probably not have to pay the $60 later as far as I know. So give that a try. That's an interesting way to get into Dreams early. I mean, finally, I mean, we saw it first teased at what the PS4 reveal event. So that's, that's kind of crazy to think about. Dance Central is back for spring 2019, but it'll be on Oculus Rift S and Oculus Quest. So Dance Central to VR, an interesting idea. Should work pretty nicely, I'd imagine. I think the most hype trailer of the week for me, though, was the Wolfenstein Youngblood trailer. That's coming July 26th to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And it's not the only Wolfenstein game coming on that day uh, to PS4 and PC for those VR platforms there. It's Wolfenstein Cyber Pilot. So that should be a big day for Wolfenstein. Not only that, but it's also what the Fire Emblem Three Houses Day. So big day in July for games, certainly. Telling Lies is the next game from Sam Barlow, is the creator of Her Story. Uh, that game's coming in 2019 for PC. Really excited about that one. If you have not played Her Story, that is a very unique narrative experience that if you like those kind of games, you should not miss that one. It's pretty, pretty cheap on Steam too, so check that out. Telling Lies for 2019 though, exciting. 2019 for Oculus Rift is Stormland. That's an interesting uh, title because it's from Insomniac. Insomniac's working on a first-person shooter VR game for Oculus Rift. Again, coming 2019, Stormland. Very interesting to see that there. WayForward decided to announce Shantae 5. Now, that won't be the final title, of course, but the next Shantae game is coming late 2019. Very good news to see that there for PS4, for Xbox One, for Switch, for PC, and for iOS on Apple Arcade. So interesting that they time that announcement up there. Yacht Club's next game that they're publishing with the assistance of the developer making it is Cyber Shadow. This is the one they were teasing a little ways back. Uh, this game still has a release date that's to be announced, to be determined, but it's coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Divinity Fallen Heroes is a tactics game that is set in the Divinity series uh, that's coming to be announced on a for release date and to platforms that are to be announced. But if you like Divinity 2, uh, you know, more of that universe is a very good thing. And this one was interesting. Lord of the Rings Gollum is coming to PC and platforms still to be announced in 2021. Ding, ding, ding. I think that's our first 2021 announced game there. Uh, this is going to be a narrative adventure game coming from Daedalic Entertainment. Uh, they've made games like the Deponia games in the past, but a Lord of the Rings adventure game 2021. That's, that's a big one there. It's time for our main topic though, and this is a tale of two switches because the Wall Street Journal published a report that other outlets like Eurogamer and others are sort of verifying that they've heard similar things on. So word getting around this week that Nintendo is thinking about launching two new Switch model revisions. 
that could be released as early as this summer, and that they're supposedly inspired by the split that Nintendo 3DS took with the cheaper, childlike 2DS, and then the more pro-gamer-like new 3DS XL. Now, this is really interesting to think about because we always thought if they're going to revise Switch, it's going to be one or the other. And if anything, they'd go for a lighter, cheaper Switch, right? First of all, let's think, is this necessary? I'm sure many people who have Nintendo Switch are very happy with their Switch and they don't think it necessarily needs a revision. But the key here is that Nintendo knows that this model works. The revisions work. They help to kind of breathe new life into the system, kind of correct errors that may have been at first thought in the first sort of run of the system and just kind of push towards the future because the game industry continually changes, right? So if Nintendo knows this works, it's going to happen whether players are happy with Switch or not. But above all else, I think Nintendo has been preaching this for a while and we've, we've been talking about it for a while. It's always been about wanting to pivot from Switch as a one-per-household device to a one-per-person device. And that's why we thought if there was going to be one or the other, Nintendo is always going to go towards Switch Lite instead of Switch Pro. I mean, just call those working titles for right now. They're not final, but just to conceptualize them for right now. So if everyone should have a Switch, according to Nintendo, it's going to be the cheaper means to get in. It's going to be the less expensive means to get in, just so that everyone has their handheld with them. And so that's always been the plan for a while. So, I mean, let's kind of compare what the benefits of a light version and then what the benefits of a pro version would be in this case. I mean, so if we're talking about a cheaper light model, according to these reports from Wall Street Journal and others, there may be sacrifices made to the tech on Nintendo Switch to make it cheaper, to make it more of a handheld only device in the sense that if it's handheld only, it can't really be docked. It can't really work as a console as intended. Now, I guess that takes away from the Switch name and maybe there is going to be a name change to kind of go along with that. Or maybe there's another means to connect it to the TV, whether it's just like a plug that you kind of plug into it, right? But to make it cheaper, I mean, that would that would certainly help because you want to make it handheld only, maybe make it a little bulkier because you got to make it kid-proof. And that's really the biggest thing. You look at the design of the 2DS and it's that big angular slab that can't be broken with a hinge. So maybe you have to remove all sense of Joy-Cons because Joy-Cons could be pried off easily. It's interesting to think about the Joy-Con though because the report also says maybe another way to make Switch cheaper would be to take out the HD rumble. Now the HD rumble is something that only certain games have taken advantage of and maybe like as 3DS continued to grow, fewer and fewer games actually used the 3D. So maybe you know that, that sort of can fall away. Granted, it wouldn't be the worst thing to see HD rumble go if it's all in the cost of you know, lowering that entry point, but just something to consider. And if, yeah, if we break away from just saying no Joy-Cons anymore, I mean, that'd be, that'd be game-changing, certainly. But, you know, that's, we've thought about Switch Lite for a while, though. What would a Switch Pro look like? An upgraded Pro model. 
you'd be kind of looking at probably a performance bump. And this is also what the, uh, the article says, kind of that would be comparable of a bump from 3DS to new 3DS. Like, yeah, it would be, it'd be significant in terms of loading times and things like that, but we're not talking about uh, now switch can do 4k. I mean, that, that'd just be crazy. Would 1080p on handheld be too much to ask? Uh, hard to say, but just think there'll be, we'll get a slight performance bump. It won't change the sense of the games that can be played on there drastically at all. I mean, I, I almost hope that we don't get, you can only play these games exclusively on this Switch Pro. I mean, what, you look at Xenoblade Chronicles on 3DS and those only on new 3DS. I mean, how did, how did that work out? Probably not too well. But most importantly, I think there was no really suggestion of the removal of the docking process for this pro switch. You've heard things go around though, that say like Nintendo's kind of rethinking things that may make some bold decisions. And I wonder what those could actually be. So I think most of all, it's most important to consider that if Nintendo's thinking about both a light and a pro two different systems, like that changes our sense of thinking of what switch revisions could be like. I mean, again, we were only thinking that it could be one or the other most reasonably because that's how it's been done. But to think of both, I mean, I do wonder which way would you be leaning? And, and that's something that you could call in and talk about. You can you know, leave comments on social media what, what you're thinking about because it does bring in that fresh question like, or are you just happy with your Switch as is? And you could certainly be with that too. So the question then is, when does this news come out? And it was suggested that if it comes as a launch as early as summer, then we could see a reveal at E3 2019. And boy, wouldn't that be exciting. I mean, we've been talking about Microsoft's E3 showcase for a while and how like, man, if they're talking about next gen and all these games, they could have the best showcase. And, and Nintendo, sure, will be excited for all the new games and Smash DLC and things like that. But if they're bringing hardware on top of it, Look out for that. That would be very exciting because 2019 really is a big year for Nintendo Switch. Again, comparisons we've made in the past, just like 2013 was for Nintendo 3DS. And honestly, it's because of a lot of the same franchises. We're talking about Animal Crossing, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Luigi's Mansion 3. I mean, these are some big games. If you're looking at Pokemon Sword and Shield and you're trying to get as many people buying that game as possible for Gen 8 on Switch, you put out a kid-friendly version of Nintendo Switch cheaper to get more people into that ecosystem. That makes sense. But I mean, for players that are going to be constantly playing Animal Crossing or want to experience Link's Awakening in a new, fresh way, maybe you also target the Pro too. It's just something to consider, and especially if we're thinking about games beyond 2019, news came this week of Monolith Soft hiring for a brand new Zelda game. And we know Monolith Soft did a lot of the open world work and the world design in Breath of the Wild. So if there's going to be another 3D Zelda game coming that is going to be either borrowing big elements or even new thoughts or surprises or visions entirely, but based on Breath of the Wild, maybe you do need a pro there. I'm just saying, there's a lot of excitement there to continue the success the Nintendo Switch has had. And it's really just a big paradigm shift when we think of one revision, but now possibly moving on to two. So that is what I have to say. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. We can 
talk about that main topic with like which switch revision possibility would you be most interested in? We can talk about any of the headlines, games that you're playing recently, anything is on the table. And if I miss anything, please, by all means, feel free to bring it up. That's all when we come back here on the Power Switch. Sometimes I don't know where this dirty road is taking me. Sometimes I don't know the reason why. So I guess I'll keep gambling lots of moves and lots of rambling. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Always exciting when we get Nintendo Switch news. It's certainly what our community likes to talk about the most, and I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. Joining us from Texas, Jesse, welcome back to the Power Switch. How are you? It's good to be back. Absolutely. Thank you for being back. I'm doing pretty well, and I'm pretty excited about the Switch news. I was hoping to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a big, big sort of shakeup this week. So I guess to right off the top, if you were thinking about the possibility of like a, a Switch Lite or a Switch Pro, again, tentative names being, which one would you be interested? Would both pique your interest? I mean, where's your head at for that kind of decision? Well, if we're talking like one Switch that's supposed to have like less power and one Switch that's supposed to be like very powerful, um, I don't think I'm interested in the Lite Switch. I think I'm more interested in the Power Switch. Ah! That's clever. Nicely done. I approve. Good, good pun. <laughs> but would it be worth it for you know the lower priced uh, sort of device to? I mean, even if it scraps things like HD Rumble or the ability to dock it as a console. I mean, that's not for me. But that's not why I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it because I have a few friends who still haven't gotten a Switch. These are people who are sad that there's no more Pokemon games coming to 3DS. And I'm sympathetic for them. I'm really hoping that this new Switch is either something that they can afford or will make the old Switch models become more affordable for them. Yeah, absolutely. If it, even if it brings it down to like, you know, $200 or something like that, it's, it's pretty reasonable. I think this is a great thing to come out around the time of Pokemon. I think this is a great phase two for the Switch's life cycle. You know, think about it. We're getting a lot of those games that were big on the 3DS, like... Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, Pokemon, these were all big sellers for the 3DS. So mm -hmm. it feels like this, the first phase of the Switch gave us a bunch of these console mainstays, the Mario's, the Zelda, Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers, And now we're getting these games that are more considered to be traditional handheld games. So this is the right time to bring out a more handheld-oriented Switch. Absolutely. I think that that strategy has made... A whole lot of sense, uh, you know, in sort of the months past and kind of leading up to this. But the thought of, you know, we had the iterative consoles with Xbox One S, with PlayStation 4 Pro. And granted, the power bump isn't going to be as significant uh, for a Nintendo Switch, possibly. But it's good to see that they're at least thinking about a more dedicated market. Yeah, um, I'm thinking we might see something with... A different shape this time because ah, if it's not going to have Joy-Con if it's not going to have Joy-Con I can see them going back to something like um, I can see them making a new clamshell type console mm -hmm. like something like the Game Boy Advance SP or something like um, 3DS but without the second screen then again though it's supposed to be like the Switch's version of the 2DS it might be another tablet yeah that'd be interesting uh, when I think of the possibility of no Joy-Cons 
Uh, I kind of just always go back to what are they going to do with the Nintendo Switch online and adding the different sort of, you know, more consoles. I mean, I think by E3 this year, we got to see news about Super Nintendo games coming to Nintendo Switch. I mean, that feels like a given. But it's always made me think, like, if the possibility of GameCube games ever came down the line. The whole idea with Joy-Cons is that, like, certain elements of that control scheme never really matched up. And I wonder if if they if Nintendo deviates from the Joy-Con design, uh, that could maybe put that back in play. I would love to see a Joy-Con design that has analog triggers. It yeah, baffles me that Nintendo has not had that since since the GameCube era. Right. When other when other consoles have been actually making that a standard feature of controllers, Nintendo abandoned that. Hmm. As for stuff I'd like to see for the more powerful version of the Nintendo Switch, I'm thinking in general stuff like what we saw on the new 3DS. So you might see some controller changes like the new 3DS had, but I think what we have on the Joy-Con is pretty good, although after playing a few games on it, I'm starting to wish that it had some bigger joysticks on it, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. I think 1080p in, in portable mode is a smart decision, something that could actually happen. But also just, I remember with uh, the Pokemon game, they played much better on the new 3DS than they did on the base 3DS, because if you played... Pokemon Sun and Moon on the base 3DS, you would get a lot of uh, frame drops or frame rate drops on the base 3DS, but you wouldn't get that as much on the new 3DS. So I think that's the kind of power bump we can expect to see. Things that just make the the game just run better. And for the audience that cares about that, that's a big deal. Uh, Just like with Super Smash Brothers. I mean, from 3DS to new 3DS, we saw the load times drastically improved. I mean, for those that care... Like, if you're calling and talking about a video game show, you probably do. Like, that's that's an important distinguishing factor. So, I'm definitely going to have my eye on this new, more powerful Switch. And I don't know what I'm going to do with my old one. I might give it to one of my friends. But, in general, I am very excited for this announcement. And I can't wait. But I'm wondering, what kind of game could they put on a more powerful Switch that they couldn't before? I don't know. I think it might just come down to, you know, casting a little wider net for third parties and maybe certain other ports. I mean, that's the one thing that comes to mind. And yeah, I I really hope that this news is what happens. Uh, Because again, it's still in the rumor reports, heard sources sort of phase. But if it comes to E3 and this is a thing, I mean, yeah, it's a a paradigm shift. It's a big, big deal. Well, thank you for considering all of these. It's an exciting time and I'm glad I could get uh, you to talk about where you, your head is at with just what could be possible, uh, because I know you're a big Nintendo fan and and love talking about Nintendo. So it's really good to hear. Uh, and thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I had a great time. All right. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, I'm here every Sunday afternoon, but maybe we might have to shift up that time. Just you know, stay tuned. Again, the Discord is rhymesathasia.com/call. So if you're interested in contributing, call in. Discord may have some mobile issues to sort out because we're getting some weird, unexplained technical difficulties there. But um, please, if you want to contribute, by all means, would love to hear your feedback. Let's talk about the games that are coming out this week. On Tuesday, April 2nd on Nintendo Switch, it's Darksiders Warmastered Edition. Finally, that Darksiders game comes to Nintendo Switch. That'll be good to see. We Happy Few has their They Came From Below DLC that was announced at the Gearbox PAX East show. 
coming out on Thursday, April 4th on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Good to see that we happy few they're at least still committing to the game, despite all the troubles that went through with its launch. Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission. I think that's the the card-based combat game. That comes to Switch and PC this Friday, April 5th. And then Enter the Gungeon gets its last big update, the A Farewell to Arms DLC that comes to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on Friday, April 5th. And that'll do it for this week's episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. I'm at Pete Speakeasy. You can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at powerswitchpod at gmail.com. And you can also subscribe to the Power Switch on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you'd be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community, so now is the perfect time to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you'd like a YouTube video to watch this week, I was introduced to the series called Mock the Week, which if you live in the UK, you're like, oh yeah, I know Mock the Week, but of all the concepts for television that Americans either farm out or love to borrow from other countries, I'm shocked that Mock the Week is not a thing over here, or at least the concept If I had to sort of describe it from an American perspective, I'd say Mock the Week is like taking current event stories like from The Daily Show, for example, but then applying a whose line is it anyway, like improv stand-up comedy twist. Uh, Really, really clever show. I've linked it in the show notes here. So it's a too hot for TV compilation. If you kind of want a first glimpse of what this show is like. I just wish they had an American version. I'm shocked that they don't. But yeah, check out Mock the Week. Give that a watch for sure. So I hope you continue to have a great week in games. It's certainly a, a low sort of bubble on the uh, the release calendar. So catch up with those games that you've been uh, missing or haven't gotten to You know, at the start of the, the year. I got to get to Resident Evil 2. I'm still missing on that one. So maybe by the next couple weeks, I can get around to that. Days Gone is going to be big for me at the end of the month, though. I can see myself really digging into that. So yes, please stay tuned on our Discord channel as everything develops. And regardless whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.